Blaine Kylo. It is a technological world. Solocore.com, S-O-L-O-C-O-R-P-S.com. How you doing, brother? I am so... It's cold here, too, but it's not nearly as cold as I know it is Different in Alberta. Different kind of cold. Different cold. It's no, at, least the, uh, at least the cold here is lighter. The cold there is heavier to shovel, they say. So I'm told. Um, you were skiing. How was the uh, conditions? I saw your pictures. Yeah, it was uh, a family day up at Whistler. We managed to find uh, really nice people who had a place to stay up there and gave us a room, my son and I. So we got a couple of days up at Whistler, had some really nice snow, a nice bluebird day on one day and a little overcast the second. But, you know, the conditions, the snow was great. And it's just long runs, variable terrain, some really good ski days. Nice. Cool. Glad to hear it. All right. Technology. Don't need to go skiing anymore because uh, you techno people is put on a pair of goggles and that's it. You don't need to ski anymore, Blaine. Kylo, how does that make you feel? Well, it, it, it's pretty close. I got to say, today is a very big day in the world of video game hardware because today's the day that PlayStation released the PSVR 2, the second generation virtual reality headset from Sony. Um, and it's quite the piece of technology. It's a real jump over the first generation PSVR um, in a lot of ways. And it's true that really the only way you can understand what virtual reality can do and the experiences that it can bring is to be in VR. You, you can't know what that's like until you try it. Um, and I think it's actually quite an amazing thing. It's a really fun place to be. What is different about, um, I guess, what does bad VR look like? Because I've never put on the goggles, but you see some of these places, you know, like the laser tag rooms, the escape rooms, all those things, but a VR version of that, they're funny to watch because everyone moves around slowly and they wave their hands in the air. But it, like, what is bad VR versus this sort of generation that you say is quite great, actually? Well, it, there's a couple of things that go into it, and and. I'll talk first about what makes the VR2 headset from PlayStation so good, and especially because it needs to be usable by anybody in the household. Um, now, I, I will say that VR headsets are not recommended for younger kids. Like if you've got six, seven, eight-year-olds, don't think I'm putting them into a VR headset because their eyes haven't necessarily fully developed. And I think that there is some concern that virtual reality and that kind of thing can maybe impact um, visual ocular development. But oh, if you've got 12 year olds and up, I, I wouldn't hesitate. But if you've got 12 year olds and up, everybody's going to want to be trying the VR headset. And so you need to have a headset that is easy to put on that is easy to adjust to the person who's wearing it. And when the sibling comes up and starts kicking them in the shin saying, it's my turn now, you've got to be able to get that headset off and onto the other kid reasonably quickly. And you need to be able to adjust it for them. And the PSVR2 headset is really good about that. It's lighter than the first generation. For one thing, it's more comfortable than the first generation, but it's also pretty easy to get on. It's really easy to adjust. And that makes a big difference in the experience. 
Hmm. Um, the other thing that goes into making a good VR experience is the production quality of the experience itself. And I've tried a couple and I've got to be honest, there are another sort of 20 games that I've been sent for the PSVR 2 that I'm going to have to try and find time to play. There are so many titles that are available for this thing at launch that I haven't had time to get into them all. But the visual, um, the, the, the quality of the visuals really impacts your experience. So if you've got a low refresh rate, a low frame rate, then you're going to see stuttering in the image. The picture's going to look weird. That's the kind of thing that can trigger the simulation sickness in people because simply the visuals aren't good enough and your brain and your eyes recognize that even if you consciously aren't aware of it. The experiences that I've had so far, especially playing Horizon Call of the Mountain and um, the Star Wars game, I'm not having any problems with that at all. The visuals are outstanding and you feel like you're in the places in ways that you can't feel like you're in those places when you're looking at a two-dimensional screen that's 10 feet away from you. When noise-canceling headphones came out, I struggled because uh, it kind of sounded windy. It was like this deconstructive phasing that was happening. kind of sounded windy, and some people complained of a sickness feeling from that. Now, the technology has progressed a ton since those days, but would you uh, at least assume that it's something similar to that feeling for those who went through that? I, I think that that's a, a pretty good metaphor, actually. The other thing that I found with the VR is um, the disconnect between you think your your brain thinks that you're moving because you have the experience of moving through an environment in the game, but your brain also is realizing that there's no physical sensations of you moving. And so that disconnect between what your brain thinks is happening and what it's actually reading from your body is also something that can cause the simulation sickness. And so I find that if I'm on my feet and I'm able to move my body around a little bit, that can also mitigate some of that simulation sickness that can come. Sometimes the worst thing you can do is to sit still when you're in VR because your body thinks it's moving. And if it's not actually moving, that can cause some problems. Now, that's one of the things that's really interesting about PSVR 2 also is they've got settings so that you can play it sitting, you can play it standing, or you can play it so that you've got some movement and uh, you can move around the space a little bit. Now, not all games are going to be able to uh, allow for each of those different play styles. But what that also means is with first generation VR headsets, you actually needed to have an area in your house that you could move around in because you had cameras that you had to set up. And those cameras were reading your position in the room. They were using that information to figure out how to give you the the the, the visuals that you needed and that's all gone now because the headset has the cameras built into it. And so you don't need to have a whole bunch of empty space in your living room or your rumpus room or wherever it is that you're playing. You can actually get away with using the VR in a smaller space. Another thing that is uh, an improvement over first generation. I love that you said rumpus room. 
<laughs> I haven't heard that in forever. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, good stuff. Okay, so gaming is kind of one of your, your jam things. That's what makes you cool, Dad. You've got some new info about Destiny 2. Yeah, this is one of my favorite things ever is Destiny 2 and the next big expansion, Lightfall, drops next week. But in the meantime, Steel Series has got a bunch of Destiny 2 Lightfall-themed accessories that I've been salivating over. Um, a headset, a wireless mouse, um, all designed and themed so that they look like they've come straight out of this Neptune metropolis of Neomuna, which is the new environment, the new world that is being launched with Lightfall. Um, and they've also got a mouse pad. And this kind of really threw me because I'm not really a PC gamer, but mouse pads aren't like the mouse pads that your dad used when he was getting his accounting degree, those sort of really terrible foam square things that sit off on the side of your desk. No, no. The Prism XL mouse pad that SteelSeries has got, it's like covers your entire desk. It's got a woven material, so you don't have to worry about it staining or tearing. And it's got lights built into it, so you can actually have it lighting up underneath your keyboard and your mouse and everything. Uh, yeah, mouse pads, they've come a long way. They're pretty cool these days. So the new Destiny 2 Lightfall-themed peripherals from SteelSeries, they're available to order now, and they'll look really good when Lightfall comes out next week. Uh, you're telling me that my dad didn't like the mouse pad with my face on it that he could take to work? No? I'm sure. I'm sure he loved it. I just bet it didn't last very long. No, probably didn't. That's true. Blaine Kylo is here, solocore.com. We chatted about this briefly on the show. Um, it raises all kinds of questions. Air Canada testing, uh, as Ryan, I have to go with Ryan's pun. Air Canada is running a pilot project of uh, facial recognition. Uh, I think that's the best pun I've heard in a long time. Well done. Um, and I think that this is quite interesting. A trial in Vancouver and in Toronto, um, select passengers. They haven't sort of decided who gets to try this thing out. But the idea is you create a digital profile on your smartphone. And that they're, they're, it's quite a, an ordeal, actually. You have to take a picture of your face. The facial recognition in the app has to match up with the passport photo it actually goes and grabs information from your passport and syncs all that up um, but once that profile has been created in your smartphone um, the facial recognition on the gate itself in the same way that your phone will open up when it sees your face the gate will open up and permit you to board the plane because it knows you're you and it has tied your photo your facial um, representation to your documentation, your passport, and all of that other information. So I actually think that this is the future. Um, they're also using it to grant people access to the Maple Leaf lounges in Toronto Pearson Airport. I think we're going to start to see this roll out pretty quickly. It is as secure as a lot of other um, security uh things that can be put into place and wow do you save on staff if you can just put these automatic gates in yeah but there's nothing if you and i are there so blaine and shane 
on a train. Uh, Blaine and Shane are getting on a plane. And so here's the thing, though. If if I'm like, okay, man, I, I'm going to go to Mexico. Don't tell Ryan. He thinks I'm going to work in Toronto. And so we're standing. This is a terrible example. We're standing there, and we're at the gate. And I, you scan yours. I scan mine. On our faces, you hand me your phone. I walk through the gate. No one's going to interrupt me. I find that problematic. Not to mention private enterprise that is also partially owned by the government. I, I get my backup about that. But, I mean, this seems to have flaws to trust that people are going to. The phones are going to allow you through. That it's actually the person holding the phone. But it's it's not just the phone. It's the phone has to match up with your It's not reading the phone. It's taking a picture of your face and matching that yeah. up with the phone. Yeah, but then you walk through the gate with your phone, right? So then, um, so I guess what I'm saying is like, if I stand at the gate with you and you scan your face and then give me, so it says, yes, it's Blaine, then you give me your phone, I could walk through the gate. Yeah, I, th I think that I think that you actually have to be in a shoot, though. So I can't sort of stick my face in. I think I think they've probably tested this out. I think that this mm -hmm. use case that you've come up with, I think that they're uh, they've worked. Through I, that. I would come from I, it comes from a place where down in the States, for example, you don't have to show ID to board a flight. You just have a boarding pass. It's the strangest thing in the world. You can literally walk up to the gate with any boarding pass and scan it and go on the plane. Um, and it, for domestic flights. And so that it's the true. weirdest thing in the world, right? And so I guess, I don't know. And I, I struggle with the, the fact of that our face goes to private enterprise that is partially owned almost 7% by the government. I, I guess that's weird, even though that they take my picture every time I walk in the mall. So yeah, you're, you're, um, you're, your, fate, your face is already there. I've got to, I got to be honest with you. Yeah. And you hey, I'm, it, I'm, also, I'm also a Nexus. I'm a Nexus participant. My face and my fingerprints are already in the Your system. eyeballs are everywhere. Yep. Well, my eyeballs are there, too. I know that because of my uh, former rake. Okay, we have to be quick here. Let's get into uh, Fire TVs and uh, some of the cool stuff coming from Amazon. Yeah, just a, a real quick mention. Last year, Amazon announced that people who use certain Bluetooth hearing aids could actually connect those hearing aids directly to Fire TVs so that they could get the feed into their hearing aids. And they've expanded that functionality, announced today that people who have cochlear implants can also take advantage of this. There's a way that they've come up with so that certain brands of the implants and certain Fire TVs, so that one of the issues with um, these hearing devices, of course, is if the TV sound coming out of the speakers is really bad, it's actually a terrible experience to try and hear, thing with the hear anything with the implants you get around that problem by putting the sound directly into the implants. And that's what Amazon Fire TVs are now doing with select implants and select TVs, a real cool way of um, providing some accessibility to people. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as I have family members that have the, the Bluetooth to the earpieces and all those things, uh, that can become very inconvenient very quickly. So this is exciting stuff. Blaine Kylo, solocore.com. Thank you, sir, for being here. Of course. We'll see you in a week.